0: rambulé gourmet rambling i'm your host quasi Joblo. appreciate you guys joining me today i have a guest today that's very special we're neighbors and uh she's traveled the world and done all type of different things seen all type of different things and those are the people that are most interested in me that have uh you know have more than a you know 2d kind of view of the world she has seems to have a very three-dimensional view of the world so here is enos how are you
1: i'm fine how are you
0: doing all right so, um, you said you were born uh, in Columbus, Ohio, right?
1: Yes, I did.
0: So, were you raised here or were.?
1: Well, my parents were here because they were studying, and uh, I lived here two years and then they moved to Oklahoma. Oh, I lived yeah. there? A yeah, in Oklahoma, Stillwater. My mother did her magis- uh, master's, and uh, my dad finished his PhD over there.
0: What were they studying?
1: Uh, agriculture. My father studied plant pathology and my mother, rural development.
0: Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. So, how old? So, after Columbus, where did you go?
1: We went to Stillwater, Oklahoma. I lived there until I was seven years old.
0: And then, after that? To Tripoli. Tripoli, all right. Yeah. What was it like there?
1: Well, as a kid, it wasn't really that much because at that time, uh, Tripoli was under the regime of Gaddafi. Mm-hmm. And he was like going through one of his crazy phases so he kind of isolated the country he changed curriculums and uh, he banned learning other languages Hmm. yeah so it wasn't really the best experience our parents tried to, to educate us to keep us from the craziness yeah then things got kind of a little bit better, maybe because his kids started, uh, you know, getting older and they started wanting the influence of the world. Yeah, so things got kind of relaxed. Um, during that time, I managed to get a scholarship to uh, study in Germany. Mm. So I moved over there.
0: Uh, what did you study?
1: I studied, uh, well, I had my bachelor degree in dentistry. Oh. So I went there for postgraduate studies. I studied oral surgery and oral medicine.
0: Okay, so you had told me that we I had found that out about you about maybe about I think when I first met you you told me you were oral 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 surgeon. Yeah. So, um was that a job that you did for an extended amount of time? Did you travel the world and do it or then? Did...
1: Yes. I worked as an oral surgeon, I don't know, nearly roughly 20 years. Mhm. Yeah, as a student you get to work, uh, volunteer in clinics and everything. So I worked in Tripoli then when I went to Germany, it was like for further education. I did my Ph.D. I was working in the university hospital in uh, Dusseldorf. Yeah. Yeah. I did that program. And afterwards, uh, when I finished, I moved to Switzerland because that's where my husband was working. Mm -hmm. I stayed over there. I worked uh, for like two years. Then yeah, no, it was like nearly three years afterwards when there was this, uh, what do they call it? The spring uprise over there oh, yeah. in the Middle East. Yeah, I volunteered in uh, in Tunisia. I was working in the camps as a volunteer. Then I worked also in Tripoli. But uh, afterwards, when I was pregnant with Rubin, there was like one time when there was a bombing of the French embassy and mm. we were living nearby. So there were complications and everything. So um, my husband decided to leave us in Malta Mm -hmm. because it was near to Tripoli and he could go back and forth. We stayed over there, like, uh, as I said, we stayed like there for three years and a half. Then for circumstances related to my husband's work, we started really receiving threats and all that kind of stuff. So we took the decision that I bring the kids here because Mm -hmm. I have family over here. And uh, yeah, and the plan was that he's gonna be doing the same thing that he was doing when in Malta, that he's gonna come and visit us. But then the travel ban happened here, and yeah. our plans kind of got mixed up.
0: Okay, so I wonder, because you've been so many places, and it seemed like you've been through not your uh, life, wasn't like flat. You went, you know, you seem like you, you know, people bombing buildings and. <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. That seemed like yeah. that can have an effect in, uh, on people. And uh, it seemed like you kept traveling. You kept exploring. Yeah. You, uh, I'm sure, like, you know more than one language, right? Having a dumb... Yes, I do. How many languages do you speak?
1: Well, I, well I've mentioned the languages that I'm fluent in. I'm, I speak Arabic, English, and German. Yeah. I understand and can speak a little bit of Maltese because it's a combination of dialects, Arabic, English, and uh, Italian. mm Yeah, there are other languages that I can understand, but I don't speak.
0: Okay, so do you, because I've always felt like people that got to see the world and move around, do you feel not like, uh, do you feel like you have a bigger perspective than most people? And particularly not trying to talk about, because you know, we're in America and everything, but do you feel, because Americans usually just, are just Americans, they have like their way of seeing things and that's it. Do you feel like, uh, do you feel full of life? It seems like because you've seen so many things, so many yeah, places, so of much. Of course. Yeah. When you
1: travel, they there's a saying in Arabic that say, they say like traveling at least uh, has seven benefits. So, mm. you know, like f- starting from the traveling place where you go, you're seeing something new, a new culture. You're meeting new people, seeing mm-hmm. new ways of thinking, everything, the appearance, uh, you know, how they treat foreigners you see different attitudes and mm-hmm. there's the language, there's the food, there's, it's a, yeah. it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And uh, even the company that you travel with, if you're traveling with new people, it might be somebody that you've known for years, but when you travel, that's a different situation, you yeah. know? So it's like the real test to a friendship of the people I you understand. know. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a good experience.
0: So what was, um, what was the most uh probably interesting place where I know you said that Malta was the one place you enjoyed and and I don't know if it's that's this is the same place after I asked this question but um what was the most like interesting where it threw you off it was you know just engaging the people the architecture or the ways of life what was the most uh kind of like I've never seen anything like this before in my life like what is this
1: well I would say that it was uh One of the experiences that I really enjoyed, it was like a nice surprise for me, was once when I went to Istanbul. Mm. I went afterwards many times, but it was at that time I was invited as a speaker over there in one of their conferences. Uh And I went there. And when you go to a country where there's somebody who wants to show off their country, Mm-hmm. You know, like show it with pride and everything. It's kind of different than when you're going on your own trying to discover a place. Mm. So there was one of my colleagues over there who was uh, like uh, a native over there. She like I was supposed to have a driver waiting for me from the company and everything. And she said, no, I'll come and pick you up. So seeing Istanbul through her eyes was really an eye opening experience Mm. because the thing about turkey it's like an asian city and Mm. it is like situated between asia and europe there's a part Mm. that's in it's considered the european part and then there's the asian part Mm. and it has been really from one of the old civilizations you know like the the byzantine empire the Mm. uh, the ottoman empire so when she was taking me i would see all these modern things like the malls and everything and they will tell you this place is the most highest tower this place is so and so but then you'll be walking and you'll see other asian stuff like uh, some some stuff like that would be, go- be dated before christian time hmm. you know there's these water cisterns and all that kind of stuff and you would go to this hotel where they serve you the coffee and everything is like seven stars and then they would tell you but this at the the Byzantine time or was it was I don't remember what kind of emperor but they were telling me that this used to be a prison hmm. and it was even featured in the uh, architectural digest or something yeah it was really it's the interesting stories that you hear about the history or you'll be walking she took me to the market and then we would be walking and she would say well, this is the, the French street because it used to be like occupied by... Napoleon came for an extended period of time and stayed over there. You would see the French architecture. Then walking, you would see like this big wall. And she would tell, you "No, the Spanish people made it when it was their place because they were trying to protect the city. And then you mm. find another ruler came and he extended the borders of the city and they kept everything. Yeah. So it's really an interesting thing, you know. So. You never, there was never a dull moment. Like I would be walking, what's this? And it's just like every street or every valley you walk through, it's a new piece of history and yeah. it's completely different. So you get transformed through one time to another. That was a nice experience for me.
0: That sounds like it. So what is about food? Cause I'm like, I'll drive and even have plans to fly places far away just to eat. I like trying things and tasting culture, cultural, just like interpretations of, you know, meat, vegetables, and desserts and everything so yeah uh what is uh, the most what is the nastiest thing you've ever eaten and what is like the best thing that, that you
1: nastiest no nobody could force me to eat <laughs> something that i don't want my husband is the one who's adventurous who likes trying stuff yeah but for me if it's not well the thing is i'm kind of selective because i have certain allergies mm. but um Let's say when you're traveling, you have to keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. So there are, I would say, like everywhere I loved something. And like you can start the Italian cuisine is something that yeah. everybody knows that is really delicious. The span in Spain as well. The Turkish cuisine also. The Middle East, like let's say the Lebanese Syrian Uh, The cuisine is very flavorful. North Africa, of course, they have their own dishes. Morocco. uh, There is something everywhere. I mean, like even the Asian uh, cuisine, they have a lot of... uh, I was introduced by my husband to Mm -hmm. Thai food.
2: Mm.
1: There's a lot of dishes that are, are nice. The only thing that I couldn't even look at was in Paris and in Malta where they eat snails. Mm. I can't look at Is that. that
0: escargot, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But uh, every country it cooks it in a different way, you know? Mm. So that's the thing that I couldn't look at. You yeah. know, like my husband was eating it, enjoying it and everything. <laughs> and I was just like, mm. he was like, would you like to taste? <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> Don't show me that part because he's like enjoying getting the flesh from inside of the shell. And I was like, no, 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 I can't do that.
0: <laughs> so are they big snails? Or are they small? Like no, a... they're
1: kind of small and they like cook it in front of you. They dip it in some kind of... Uh, hot water and then they put some kind of sauce on it and they have special um, cutlery to get the thing but it's not something that I would like to yeah I've spread. always
0: never understood that in the uh, caviar I don't isn't that the eggs the yeah, fish eggs yeah, yeah I have think you ever so. had that no yeah.
2: he
1: would eat it it's the same thing like when I lived in Switzerland and in Germany they are so proud of their cheeses. Mm. so there are certain cheeses I love cheese and yeah. I would enjoy going with my husband to the Gouda village or to Immental village just to watch them uh, to, to buy fresh cheese or so when I went to Amsterdam in Holland they they have to take you to one of their cheese factories as part of oh, really? like, the yeah. day tour and it's interesting but for me to go and eat a type of cheese that has worms in it, you know, and they're telling you that this is like gourmet food. No, thank you. I don't want to try that. <laughs> that's crazy.
0: So what is the best thing? What is one thing you remember in your travels eating that was like, man, I would go back in a heartbeat to have, you know, uh,
1: I think I'm like more of the appetizer person, Yeah. you know, like these cooked salads. And so one of the dishes that I really love is, uh, yeah, the Middle, e- the Middle East appetizers. Yeah. I love the, the Turkish cuisine Mm
2: -hmm.
1: they have a lot of stuff but the thing that i was like grateful that my husband introduced me to was the thai food i love the Mm. dumyam uh soup yeah what is it what is that it's uh it's kind of like they have it it depends on the type that you choose because they have one that's with shrimps they have others that is with um uh, chicken mm-hmm. but I like the one with shrimps it has like special kind of uh, mushrooms that they use mm. lemongrass they have their own kind of onions and chili peppers and it seems like they uh, they use a lot of broth with it but the thing is like they they have many pots then they choose their ingredients they put it for you and it all gets done at the last minute Mm. They have also another type of appetizer it's called the papaya salad
2: mm. where
1: they use the papaya and they use some kind of peanuts and they have their own uh dressings that they make yeah. it's uh, it's very nice Sounds good yeah yeah it is
0: So um where is a place that you've traveled that you probably had an experience where is a place that you've been that you say I wouldn't go back there like I'm not interested or cuz I think you've been a lot of places and like you know a lot of time I'm scared to go overseas because you know i don't know how people are going to receive like a black person cuz i've heard a lot of people going over there and have problems i don't know how people are going to receive americans so i think when women travel and they go see the world i think they're very brave and i was reading something the other day where a lot of women get harassed and i think it is in london and they have a hard time just walking down the street to get to work and everything so um i think it's very brave and uh, when women go out and they see the world and they don't have any reservations about like you know any fear i guess what is a uh, What was a situation, I guess you got in where it was like, man, this is not for me. You know, you had to get out of it.
1: No, the thing is, like, uh, you're talking right now about black. Well, for me, it was like, for the black people, for me, it was like a Muslim. Mm. You know, Muslims, they have their share as well. Because people, you know how they feel about Muslims. So for me, uh, wearing hijab and traveling is not the most easiest thing. Usually, I travel, like, with family, but my first time on my own was in Germany. So in Germany, I my dad told me, like, if you want to go and I don't want to be like worrying every time I hear something, it's like you have to take it off. And I was living there without wearing it. But the thing is, um, any place you go, it depends on the people. Yeah. So there are when you say England, I would tell you that the England people, the English people are kind of cold.
2: Mm. You know,
1: like you would ask somebody about a place, and they would say, "I don't know," and it could be like in front of in front of him, and he wouldn't help you. Mm. That's the not all the British people are uh, are warm people, or they like. Uh, there are some countries when they see somebody who is a foreigner, they're like very welcoming, and they're trying like to greet you regardless of where you come from. It's just yeah. like you're a person who doesn't belong and they want to show you their country but there are places where you feel like they treat you like an inferior Mm. and that's the German attitude Mm. the German attitude especially the older generation they they don't like anybody who doesn't belong to them period regardless of where you come from if you come from Italy they're looking to you as an inferior if you come from Turkey if you're a Muslim uh, that's worse you know although their laws let's say and their on institutions like the university or whatever, they are welcoming and they yeah. have all these kind of things that facilitate people coming to study in their country, because they want people to come and see. They are, you know, like they are ahead of a lot of countries in yeah. their in different aspects. But the thing is, like, because they speak German and there are not a lot of German countries, uh, German speaking countries, so. They want people to come and study and work with them, so that they feel that they have this international aspect. So, if let's say a foreigner applies for a job and there's a German, the the foreigner gets higher chances of being accepted
2: mm-hmm.
1: because they want this feeling of an international team. Yeah. Um, but let's say uh, the people themselves, they're not that open. So that's one thing that I never felt comfortable living in Germany. I didn't feel comfortable working with the people, although I remember on my last day working at the on the job, my professor was crying, like, and he was like, uh, oh, we never had somebody like you and we were going to miss you and nobody will come who will be like you and, and that all kind of that stuff. But I was like, inside, I w- you know, I was smiling and saying all the right words, but inside I was like, huh, I will never forget how your train treated me when I came yeah. at the beginning. They were trying to make my, you know, although I wasn't, I have to mention that I wasn't receiving any money from them because it was as if I was working for free. I was getting my scholarship money. Mm. But they made at the beginning they made every day that I went that I would go home thinking that I'm going to quit.
2: Mm. They,
1: they were like you would ask a question about something and people wouldn't uh, answer you. They would ignore you. They would try to f- find fault in everything that you were doing and expose you. You know, like uh, it wasn't easy. So yeah. that's the th- place. Although the country is beautiful, there's a lot of nice places to go, but I don't miss it.
0: So is it a, you think, is it like a, are they just severely loyal to Germany and they don't mess with anybody that's not from Germany or is it just racial? Cause is it.
1: It's kind of racial, Mm. you know, they have this attitude. They, they are racial and it's not like they love their country and they want to work and they, no, they're lazy. They don't want to work like they would come the first day on the year uh, booking all their vacation days and fighting over them and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they would sit and they don't want to work. But when it comes to conferences or scholarships, then they think that they are uh, that they are the rightful people for it. Mm. But they would take credit of your work and call it their own. They have no shame in doing that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So... um I know my mother was in Germany, and I always thought it was interesting. She was pregnant with me while she traveled Germany. My father was in the military, and uh, I think she was about 21, 22 when she was pregnant with me. And uh, Mm -hmm. I never really hear her talking about if anybody was racist towards her. She always tells me this story about how this man would always beg her to leave my father uh, for him to go, like, you could just be with me. You're so beautiful. Uh So I think it's... Is it a certain part of Germany you have to be in? Is it a certain well? The
1: east part of Germany is the worst, mm. but the western part is uh, kind of better. The younger generation, you feel like uh, they are—they're um, trying to. Um, you know, like they feel more guilty. So you feel like they're trying to treat foreigners in a better way than oh, their generation. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of um, rebelling against their elders. You know, like you would see, uh, they, you will see them doing anything that their parents or grandparents say that it was a taboo to do. They yeah. love the word taboo, that oh. you can't talk about this, you can't talk about that. Like if you want to ask them about their Nazi days or whatever, oh, they might even put you in prison. It's really? a taboo to talk about it. Mm. There are many American tourists who are like standing at certain monuments in Berlin, and they did the Nazi uh, greeting just for just for the sake of a picture. Yeah. And they were beaten up, or they were taken to prison, called that they offended the German people. It, it has happened.
0: So, are people in Germany? Uh, you think are they protective over the uh, Nazi thing, or do are they ashamed of it? Or? Ashamed. That's uh-huh. why they call it a taboo. Mm. Yeah,
1: they would. They don't want you talking about it. Yeah. They don't want you talking about the days when uh, the German people were separated by that wall. Mm. Um, in the, I'm I'm sure that your mother where because where the base is is near uh, Munich. That's mm. in the southern part of the city. I remember
0: her saying, I mean. "Yeah,
1: Munich is where the base is, and most of the American people live around that area because there's also an American school for their kids over there." Mm. So most of the people over there would be people who are German, but they have uh, other roots. They have came from other places and they have been treated well by the American people, you Mm. know, like they were working uh, at odd jobs at the base or whatever. So you'd find that they love Americans over there. Yeah, where I lived in Dusseldorf, it was, it's considered as a cosmopolitan city. Mm -hmm. You would see different people from different places and everything. So they were more tolerant of, um, of foreigners. But there are places that even when I was learning the language at Goethe Institute, the teachers would tell us never go over there. Mm. Like there have been many incidents. Like there was this lady killed because, and she was wearing hijab just because like she had her kids at the park. And there was this old guy who was sitting. He wasn't old. He was like in his 20s. He was sitting on a on a swing and he had his legs on the other swing. So she came politely asking him if he could move so that other kids could play. And he bit her in front of the other children to death.
2: Hmm.
1: Huh. Yeah. So you, you see a lot of incidents like that in Berlin. So it's kind of crazy over there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What was Switzerland like?
1: Switzerland is. Is nice. It's kind of... I don't want to say similar to... It's not similar to Germany. But I mean, I stayed in the German part.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: German part is... Most of the people, uh, their economy is based on farming.
2: Mm.
1: They, um, they're not warm people, but they treat you with respect.
2: Mm.
1: Their laws are fair. They have the bureaucracy problem as well. But I mean, like, their laws are fair. They try to be... Uh, tolerant to people you would find anybody who was seeking uh, like asylum would always prefer to go to Switzerland
2: Mm -hmm.
1: whether it was political religious any kind of trouble they would always prefer to go to Switzerland I love the Italian part more the
2: Mm -hmm. Italian
1: part where Lake Como is and it's on the Italian border that's more um, uh, my thing I love it over there The French part like uh, Geneva it's nice it's it's like three different civilizations in one place Mm. yeah it's interesting
0: I always see the uh picture see pictures of uh, Switzerland and it seems very beautiful beautiful with the mountains and the fields it's
1: very very beautiful um I wouldn't say that their cuisine is yummy them and the (laughs) German the German they have their sweets you know like their cakes and all that kind of stuff Uh, the Swiss is kind of similar to their thing but uh, I mean like um, the 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 savory cuisine is not mm -mm, it's not really my thing so yeah but it's a nice place you have to have it on your bucket list (laughs) yeah I really
0: want to go there to do photography and see because that's the thing I really want to go all over the world and i don't like to go to tourist places i like to go to places where people live their lives and have more of a cultural feel yeah i'm i don't want to end up in a situation like you know with people who may not like foreigners or whatever how that goes so i really want to go to switzerland i really want to go to morocco i would really like to go to um
1: morocco i would tell you to go with a tourist guide or something Mm -hmm. because you need some kind of protection but Mm. choose something that has Flexibility, you know, uh, Switzerland. I don't think that you need like to be with. It. You just need a map, and you need like tips on where to go. Yeah, the thing that's good in Germany and in Switzerland. Is that um, because they are encouraging the people? To, they want to f- fight pollution, so mm. they're trying to encourage people to use the public transportation. Oh yeah. So you find it easier to to be walking, you know, like with your backpack and all that stuff. Uh, they they make it super easy to trans, you know, like to go from one place to another, either by underground or the mm. sub. The best place, like they have their express trains where, and you feel like the the thing with Europe is like really a small village. Mm -hmm. Like I would be, I lived in Dusseldorf and I would wake up on the weekend and go to Amsterdam Mm. or you can go to Antwerpen in uh, Belgium. And when you go to these places, like you have this weekend ticket, it allows you to use all the local transport over there. Yeah. Uh, But except you can't take a taxi, of course, but I mean like the public transportation. And in every uh, place you go, there's this desk which is specifically asking where it's like a tourist information thing they give you a map and it's marked with all the places that you need to see and it's all within walking distance hmm. they make it even easier for you that you start they they have the journey already uh, mapped for you oh. so you let's say you start from over here you're gonna see this here so you know where you're going and they suggest places to eat or you can just go if you want if you're going there because you want to walk if you want to go there because you want to fish they they will give you all these places and then you're free to do whatever you want to do so that makes hmm. it, you know like the weekend tourist thing very easy
2: yeah
0: so you said that you before you came here you lived in malta right yeah we were talking right before we started the interview but could you tell us about what, what malta was like a little bit
1: yeah, Malta's.
2: Uh,
1: what can I say? <laughs> it's a small island. Mm-hmm. So um, there, it's mainly two islands. There, there are three actually. But the main things is Malta. Let's say the motherland, and then they have Gozo, and then there's uh, another small um, island.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: was. Um, it was like let's say, uh, it, although it's small, but it has always been important for any let's say. Um, any kind of emperor or whatever. So you see that there's the Roman influence. There was the Johannites influence. There was also an era where uh, one of the Islamic uh, emperors was there. And the people are kind of friendly. It was part of uh, the British... uh, regime over there mm-hmm. that even before uh, Queen Elizabeth was uh, crowned a queen she lived there she was based there because her husband was based over there so mm. and it's really beautiful it's an island where th- where the weather is always beautiful maybe they get like two uh, months of like semi-winter
2: yeah
1: yeah and it's just mainly wind because it's an island they have tried to keep things they don't want to, let's say, even if they make a new mall or something, they try to keep it uh, more like the traditional uh, Roman uh, columns and all that kind oh, really? of thing. Yeah. They are open. One of their main sources of income is tourism. So you find how uh, open they are for tourists. They're always uh, because they speak English. So people who want to learn English, they would come for summer school over mm-hmm. there. They know how to live. That's what I keep saying. There was and um, they appreciate people when they come. For example, there was in the 70s, there was this movie of Robin Williams, uh, Papai. Yeah. So they yeah. went over there and they built like a village. It was oh, like yeah. a set for the movie. I and watched that
0: movie as a kid. That was in Malta. Yeah, yeah, it was,
1: it was in uh, the part that they call Maliha. So Maliha in Arabic means like the beautiful. So they chose oh. that spot to build the village. And afterwards the Maltese asked them to keep it so it's like a tourist attraction I took the kids over there you oh, yeah. find you will find like people dressed as Popeye and uh, Oliver and everything yeah. and it's really really beautiful they know always how to find something how to celebrate life yeah. That that's the thing and there are restaurants and they want you to you find all these promenades because it's an island so uh, You would go and they would call them different cities. For us, it's just like uh, suburbs, you know, yeah. and it's really beautiful. It's a really a beautiful place.
0: I was always particularly interested in it. I, I was reading, I don't know if this is, if I, I don't want to mess up the information, but some of the earth's like first, if not the first architecture ever, human architecture was in Malta. They say so. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to go there to see some of the things that they have built and see the progression of. Because I heard that it's kind of like a melting pot there. There's so many different types of cultures and people and buildings and stuff. I'd like to see the...
1: There is a a city, it's called Medina. Mm
2: -hmm. Medina
1: in Arabic means city. Mm -hmm. This is a place where they say that, um, uh, let's say when the Islamic people were ruling over there, this is where they lived. And for their servants, it was another city that's called Rabat. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Anyway, the thing is like after the... The Johan Knights kicked the Islamics Mm -hmm. out at that time. So they left this city because it was very, very beautiful. Till today, this city is called over there the Silent City Mm -hmm. because they they have, because let's say the architecture is so uh, delicate and it's something that they want to preserve. So they have banned um, cars from entering this city
2: Mm.
1: and it's of course with our standards this city you can finish it walking but it's built on a high mountain so you go there and everything is silent and they say that uh, these houses have been uh, you know like owned by families for hundreds of years nobody wants to sell this Mm. uh, their, their you know like their house or whatever so when you're walking you might hear like horses you know, going from one place to another. But it's so, so, so quiet Hmm. and it's very, very beautiful. And they have a lot of restaurants over there. And most of the cafes and restaurants, they like are at the highest part. So when you're sitting, you're watching the view of the island. Yeah, Yeah, it's very, very beautiful. There's always somewhere to go. It's either the beaches, there are the restaurants. There's there's a lot of stuff. I feel like there's no wasted, uh, (laughs) no wasted land with them. They're trying to use everything and the people themselves they're very beautiful if they see a kid like you're going to a shop you would think that uh, the people when they're greeting a kid that they know him yeah they always have to give a kid a present you know like when I came here it was kind of a problem for me with Lamar, especially Lamar, because whenever we went to a shop, like the, to the bakery or whatever, the, uh, people were hugging kids, you know, like, oh, da-da. so Lamar was always in the habit of hugging people. Oh, when yeah. we came here, I was like, no, you can't hug, <laughs> just come <laughs> <Yeah>. over here. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I, um, since I've met you, I've, you're an uh, interesting person because you, you seem very gentle, but you seem like you have a sense of... Uh, since it seems like since you're so like educated and travel, you have a sense of authority about you, not like over people. You just come of come off with a um, an air of like, I don't know what to say about it. Uh, I don't know. You just seem like you have a echelon about yourself. And so did is, uh, is that something you try personally to do? Is it just that's just how you are and everything? Because you're very gentle. You're very nice and well-spoken but you also i feel like you command a sense of like respect and you know decency and you know interest and seems like you know i don't know so is that something that was just naturally like you did you, did you think they travel- always
1: say that i had a strong personality yeah, i think it's yeah. life experiences that makes you um, you know like stand for yourself yeah yeah take uh, take lead in whatever you're doing mm-hmm. but of course like uh, Being kind, that's who we are. That's how I was raised, like to treat people equally, regardless. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know if it's I feel like it's an accumulation of uh, life experiences. I was in the Girl Scouts as a kid. Yeah. So you learn independence because I remember the first time I traveled with the Scouts I was like uh, 12 years old. Mm. Don't uh, if Adam at this age I don't think I would let him go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how my parents yeah. let me go. <laughs> but I mean like uh, it's something I don't know. That a lot of people tell me that they don't think that they could do what I did, like moved with my kids and yeah. stay here raising them. Of course, situation the situation is not how we planned it, but uh, I just feel like sometimes uh, I have to. Uh, there, I have two choices: either to feel sorry for myself and break down,
2: yeah.
1: or uh, I can try to make the best of the situation and use it as a life uh, lesson.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really thought that, like how you take care, you know, of your three children. I remember you had surgery. Yeah. And I remember I saw you, I was driving in the morning, and I think Lee had told me that, you know, she just got surgery a couple of days or a week ago. And I saw you walking on your leg, and I was like, she all right, she need help. You just seem like a very strong person, but you don't seem to gripe about your strength. You just kind of, you're graceful, I guess you could say. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. Well, I have my moments. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Like if you saw me last Tuesday, you wouldn't say that I was really that strong. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, but I I have my moments, but I always like believe that God is with me. Yeah. Yeah. And that keeps me strong. I keep saying that these are tests that it's just like um, God gives us tests to see how we will react if Mm -hmm. I believe in him. And I will have faith and be strong in my beliefs, or if I will crumble. Yeah. And I've see, I like to think that, let's say I, it wasn't an easy life. I had a lot of life uh, lessons or life tests early in my life, so mm-hmm. I keep feeling if I went through this and I and it passed and I managed to overcome this, then then this is something that I can do. That's how I keep thinking. And I keep saying, like, as you said, I was an oral surgeon and everything. I put that on hold for my kids. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to sit here, like, because I moved over here and the degree has to be recognized and it's not recognized easily. So I have to go through a process, which I chose not to do. So I'm not sitting, let's say crying over spilled milk or whatever Mm -hmm. i try to find something because i believe that i'm teaching my kids by my actions so i try to set a good example
0: yeah yeah so um being an oral surgeon i know is that did you, you were extracting teeth and, you know, I mean, what were you particularly doing as, or, cause I, I think sometimes oral surgeons can be, they can do different things or whatever. Yeah. Well,
1: there is like a difference between oral surgery and an oral maxillofacial surgeon. Mm. So in Germany, uh, it's kind of different than here in the States. If you are an oral surgeon, that means you studied dentistry. Mm. If you are a maxillofacial surgeon, that means you have to go to medical school as well. Mm. So I didn't do that. I just studied dentistry. So over there, their specialty is called uh, oral surgery and medicine. In other places, oral medicine is a different department and oral surgery is a different department. So what I did, I did these two departments together. Oral medicine is like all these lesions that you're seeing in the mouth, um, mm. gum changes, anything related to the mouth area. I was like, I had a focus point on pre-cancerous or pre-malignant lesions mm. because in the department where I was working, they were working on a part, uh, on a type of diagnosis uh, where you could um, know if this area was liable to be uh, malignant by brushing um, certain cells off the area and then they had a certain caliber. Mm-hmm. So they could determine the risk of the cells turning into malignant cells mm-hmm. by using that thing and yeah you were we were diagnosing like let's say uh, patients who need to go under uh chemotherapy or mm. uh under surgery for a certain you had to eliminate any focus of infection we had to make plans for them so that they their treatment doesn't relapse or no complications arise plus the surgical part of course it involves extraction of teeth uh any um, re- the surgical removal of teeth or wisdom teeth if there were oral legions that need to be biopsied we did that um, then there is like people who for example need to get dentures and they need uh, pre-prosthetic uh, de- uh, surgery we did that there was also the part there was at that time it. Uh, they were doing a lot of studies on implants and everything so I was involved in that team but there was the thing because like the German, they like to think ahead. So uh, the way that there is periodontal diseases Mm -hmm. with the teeth, there's also inflammations and infections related to placing implants for a long time, which is called Mm -hmm. peri-implantitis. At that time, they were looking for different ways to treat it. So I was with a team that uh, were using laser treatments. And my PhD uh, thesis was related to using uh, a certain type of lasers in... Mm. uh, trying yeah to treat this type of infection
0: so with uh did you guys have to um because using lasers did you have to study like the science of lasers and everything I have to get in there and have yeah. to be precise and
1: yep yeah, yeah you had to study the the nature of the laser that you're yeah. using and then there are different actions some are cutting some are using the you know like there are different ablation actions there's other kind of actions that you use and then you have to study it of course Uh, let's say you don't go ahead and start it on humans first you know like you have to uh, use they used to do it on animals Mm. They used a lot of... Sometimes there were certain things that didn't agree with the laws in Germany. They would go and test it at another country. Mm. Then after that, when they get grant permission, they use it on uh, study patients, of course, who knew what they were getting through. But because they were paid, they were willing to participate in the study.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was... And then you get involved in publishing the results of your study at different conferences. And yeah, it was... An Interesting part at that time, <laughs> yeah.
0: I when I was uh, the earliest form of me studying, specifically going to school, I was going to school to be a brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I took the class, well, I didn't, I was like 16 years old in like medical school training programs and stuff. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was like about 17, I did another scientific program where we were uh, taking these cubes about this big and we were uh, they had rap uh, brains in them. Mm-hmm. and uh, we were sliced we had to take this machine and slice them very thin to study the effects of uh, yeah deep sea water pressure on human beings because they were trying to figure out if they could go deeper into the sea and mm-hmm. explore that so I just um it's so in because I know that after studying medicine for so long and being into it and I um I know it just gave me a certain way of looking at things the body or just even the world do you does that part of studying medicine or just the body in general does is it with you did it grant Anywhere if you're still looking at the word or is it just behind you?
1: No, you use it. Yeah. You do use it, yeah. I use it a lot. Like right now, um, of course it came handy for me because right now what I'm working, I'm working as a medical interpreter. Mm. So when you hear something and you're trying to interpret in another language, you know how to, there are sometimes things where you don't have to interpret uh, word by word. You have to give the, the meaning because sometimes if you're interpreting word by word, the other person in the other language won't be able to understand it. But mm. if you're giving them the exact meaning but using other words, you're not using the exact word, but you're giving the general meaning, which means that you're accurate, if you can understand what I'm trying to mm-hmm. explain. Yeah. yeah, so this comes handy because I, I know how to explain things for the yeah. for the patient and make it more clear for them, especially when they're dealing with a complicated diagnosis or something like a a risky prognosis, as they say, it helps. And also when I'm... uh, Because let's say, for example, when I studied pediatric dentistry, I had to learn a lot about uh, children's psychology and all that stuff. Part of the requirements in my program was dealing with... uh, with handicapped children, mentally challenged children and all that thing. This comes in training, for example, when I'm subbing in the schools right now, especially yeah. when I'm doing, working with intervention specialists,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: kind of analyzing the kids or like if you're seeing kids who are trying to be manipulative, you know, like trying to yeah. play on the, You can see through them because yeah. you have a lot of experience. And uh, plus, like uh, the people around me and everything, you know when you you can see somebody who's... Um, like having health issues or yeah it has come handy a lot
0: yeah i use it mainly for photography i can uh when i work with the models and we start working i'm so good at almost like i can x-ray see the skeletal system so i can tell them to do certain poses and they'll be like what and i said i just need you to um maybe jump out of it and twist and they're like i'm gonna look stupid but in, in my head i can I'm going through all of the phases, which I can see, you know, just the body, you know, making these motions and how the body's going to have to recover to get balanced. So Uh I used a lot of the understanding of the body to get off uh, photography Mm -hmm. and uh, understand how to, like, get people to, um, you know, just, I don't know, just being really good at posing people and using their bodies. It's really good at, uh, sorry, I'm thinking about, uh, also, I was able to, I use it as far as like i have a steady like my eye and looking at things and being able to uh i used to practice as a kid keeping my hands steady because i wanted to be a doctor really bad bad so i'll be in the fourth or fifth grade i was supposed to be asleep but i'll be sitting in the bed indian style and i would just sit with my hands and stare at them Uh and i would try to make sure they didn't move and so Mm -hmm. me i don't use much uh Many tripods like me we will go on the highway me and my assistant and we'll be doing 90 miles an hour down the highway
2: uh-huh. and we're
0: bumping and jumping around and your and hands I can, are stable and I can keep my hands steady enough to just get this beautiful picture of a mountain off the side of the road yeah. so yeah it comes in, it's interesting how it comes in handy
2: yeah
1: well uh, when we studied dentistry the first thing that they would tell us it's like art and science so I think yeah. that you're combining both yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah your work it's is different. art and science yeah, yeah
0: that's where it's coming from in there so yeah, yeah let me see um now where is uh how many countries and continents have you been to in general
1: well Europe of course North Africa and uh, North America Asia I just went to Turkey mm. yeah but there's like the I would love to go to uh, it's probably why I
0: should ask where haven't you been? Yeah.
1: No, there are places. Well, my husband, of course, has traveled uh, more than me mm. because his dad was a diplomat at that uh, when yeah, he was pioneer. young. Yeah. yeah and um, and he traveled more than me. So there are parts that, for example, there are countries that he talks about, and uh, we're supposed. to... To have it on our plan mm-hmm. like i would love to go and see thailand and yeah. singapore malaysia he always tells me that i would love it he says also the people would uh, would impress me uh japan he says is something that we should do and really
0: want to go to japan
1: yeah adam too yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah they uh, we wanted to see the maldives and right now my brother-in-law because he works in switzerland but his firm has sent them to zanzibar in uh, tanzania mm-hmm. and he's been sending pictures that are so so beautiful so he tells me oh you want to go to maldives but look at uh, zanzibar that's really something that you Where should is that go at? in africa
0: in africa yeah, yeah
1: zanzibar and uh, kenya they tell me that are beautiful too
0: yeah yeah so um Do you expect that your children will travel? Well, like Lamar, Bina, and Adam, will you think they'll travel the world and, you know... Yeah,
1: I think they would because as kids, they went uh, to places with us. Yeah. Yeah, they they lived, of course, and Adam, as a kid... I think that he's the youngest kid that I started traveling with. Yeah. Two months. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Yeah, two months. We went from uh, from California to Switzerland. He went with me to London, Amsterdam.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, he went to Paris. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, people in the, where is it in the in the Louvre. People are taking pictures, and I'm changing his diapers and nursing him over there. Yeah, (laughs) He said, like, did I just go? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I keep telling him, you got your diapers changed in the
2: louver.
0: (laughs) So with being a mother, do you, and, you know, you're well-accomplished, intelligent, you know, and all a lot of things. Have you seen to where um, your children are anything like you? Have they picked up on your strengths or anything?
1: I think that they have in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, because... um, I feel like everybody, each one of them is unique in his own way. Yeah. And they're strong in their own ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it's they're still learning and they're still getting their characters. You know, like uh, they're being molded, as they say, by their experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, I don't set expectations for them, Mm. but I try to support them and I try to keep everything kind of I don't want to say a teaching moment, but I like reflecting with them on a lot of things. Because I want them thinking early about stuff, and I won't say no. When she's older, she will learn. No, I try teaching them earlier.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, because um, we're going, we can wrap it up and everything. I just have a, one more question. Um, sure. What advice would you give, uh, particularly young women that may hear this anywhere? I mean, from really young and I you know I'm not any woman I guess that you know wants to go out in the world and or just being a citizen I call what you've done is being a citizen of the world yeah. so um what would advice would you give people in following their dreams or being themselves believing in themselves because you yes. seem to have a long time of just not letting things. you know you don't, you don't <laughs> seem fearful or anything you know, not know
1: I would tell them to live their own dreams mm. not to be affected by expectations of others mm not other people's expectation don't let them define you like if you have a dream then prepare yourself for that dream or whatever goal you set prepare yourself for it try learning from other people's experiences and always have an open mind yeah like sometimes you might have an idea where other people would put you down saying nah that wouldn't happen or that would never succeed or you know these kind of things but you might be the first pioneer doing that thing yeah yeah so that's what I would say like for example I I love this thing about the book becoming from Michelle Obama oh yeah yeah where she's explaining a lot of stuff that I could relate to like when she said that she was following the expectations and everything where she studied law and she worked in this prestigious firm and everything and then she realized that it wasn't making her happy so this is something that I always tell my kids do what makes you happy Like she chose then, she found another job that was paying less and everything, but it made her feel happy. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that was her calling, let's say. So I always tell my kids, do whatever makes you feel happy. And don't let others like their expectations define what you have to do, but always be prepared.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate having you and I appreciate you taking our time. I know you're busy and everything. so. it's a pleasure yeah and thank you for
1: choosing me (laughs) no i appreciate
0: you like i said you know it's good to have and i always like to bring people back so if i have more uh questions or if you have any other experiences you'd like to talk about i'd like to have you on again sure all right we'll talk to you guys later